Today we discuss Derrick Henry's value in a world that loves pass-catching backs and the Bengals as an offense to invest in in fantasy leagues this year. Happy Friday, happy weekend to all of you out there. Welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 at The Athletic. I am Michael Beller, getting your weekend kick-started with Derek Van Riper. DVR, how are you doing today? Doing great, Beller. How are you doing? I am good. I am doing well. I am ready for a weekend, ready for uh, the final weekend before the Major League Baseball season finally begins. So, you know, that's something we're all excited about. We love the signs of all the sports coming back, of course, NBA coming the week after Major League Baseball gets going. Hopefully NFL is able to have some semblance of a training camp and get its season off the ground when we expected it to be. Uh, We had a little bit of news come in the middle of this past week. Uh, There was the uh, deadline for teams to either come to agreements on long-term extensions with their players or apply the franchise tag. And we're going to look at a couple of players who applied to either one of those categories. First, let's start with Derek Henry. Derrick Henry did get a long-term extension, sort of surprisingly, uh, from the Tennessee Titans. Four years, $50 million, 25 and a half of which is guaranteed. I say surprisingly, not because of how good Derrick Henry is, how important he is to this Titans team, but there really wasn't much talk of it. It seemed like they were going to go into the season without an extension. There were a lot of running backs who are going to be hitting the free agent market after the 2020 season, uh, but the Titans made the commitment to Derrick Henry. They built their offense, remade their offense on the fly with him at the center of it. Last season, they rode him all the way to the AFC Championship game, so you understand the commitment, you understand the loyalty to Derrick Henry from the Titans' brain trust. Right now, he has the seventh overall ADP. NFFC draft since July 1st. He has a 7.78 ADP. That makes him the seventh overall player off the board. The RB6 in between Dalvin Cook and and Joe Mixon. As you've been preparing DVR for your drafts and auctions this summer, how have you approached Derrick Henry? I like Henry as a player. I'm very confident in his role in the offense, and I would say that I'm not concerned that because he has been extended that they're going to make him less of a focal point of their offense. Mm -hmm. I think we might have a misunderstanding about players signing an extension versus players who, especially running backs who are on the final year of their deal, who are going to be run to the ground or overworked, right? Uh, I, I think this is a team that has to use Derrick Henry about as much as they did last year to have the type of success they had last year, because not running him 300 times over the course of the season would mean that Ryan Tannehill has to throw the ball a lot more. I don't think that's how they're built. I think they're a very skinny tree offense where Henry is the lead back. There's no one really pushing him. We kind of know at this point that he's not going to get much more involved as a pass catcher. I mean, 18 catches last season was a career high for him. If he topped 25 in a season, that would be borderline amazing. So I think my concerns with Derrick Henry really are that he's a bit touchdown dependent because he doesn't have that passing game volume to fall back on. I think every league I play in is at least a half PPR league, and some of those leagues are full PPR leagues. So the types of leagues that I play in steer me away from Derrick Henry as a mid to late first rounder, even though I really like him as a player. I love the Titans' offensive line. and I just don't see a whole lot changing in that situation other than the touchdowns that he piled up last year. 18 TDs last year compared to 12 in 2018. Even if he loses four of those touchdowns, the per-game numbers are going to take a bit of a hit. 
Yeah, we are of the same mind here on Derrick Henry. Most guys who are going in that range are going to be people who I would rather have as the building block, the foundational piece of my fantasy teams for really the reasons that you said. I do get a little bit worried about the fact that he's just not going to be involved in the passing game. And we talked with Joe Rexroad from our Nashville site uh, on our State of the Team series a couple of weeks ago about the Titans. And he even said that is that we shouldn't be looking for them to get him more involved in the passing game, that when they do get him involved, they do some interesting things, some creative things with screens. And we know what Derrick Henry can do when he's got a head of steam going, and you'll see him involved in that way. We can all picture the very long touchdown he had on a screenplay last year. It was like 75, 80 yards. Um, but that's really the only way he's going to get involved in the passing game. And then so you have to lean on all that rushing volume. And that's going to be there. I think we re- you know, we are pretty much in total lockstep on Derrick Henry and what we should expect for him for 2020. 303 carries last year. I think that's a number that he should hit again. It's just no matter how good you are, it's hard to do what he did last year. 1,540 yards, 16 touchdowns, better than 5 yards uh, per carry, better than 102 yards per game. No matter who you are. In this, uh, the way the game is played today, it is hard to hit numbers like that. And the volume's going to be there, but the efficiency might not be there. What if the Titans take a step back as a team as a whole? Uh, Is he going to be able to run in as many advantageous situations this year as he did last year? Ryan Tannehill had an unbelievable season for this team last year, 9.6 yards per attempt. What if Ryan Tannehill's efficiency takes a step back this year? Not that much of a leap for us to expect given Tannehill's pre-19 NFL career. All these factors could lead to a less efficient Derrick Henry. And a less efficient Derrick Henry is just going to be a less effective one in the fantasy world because, as you said, he can't offset it with uh, volume, with uh, opportunity in the passing game. And that's where I have trouble taking him over someone like Dalvin Cook, who he is going behind in ADP, but just barely behind. 7.07 is Dalvin Cook's ADP, 7.78 is Derrick Henry's. Joe Mixon is next at 8.46. Miles Sanders comes after that at 9.44. And then Devontae Adams at 10.32. To be honest, I look at those guys and I think about the way those offenses go and the way that we uh, play fantasy football in 2020. And I think I like Devontae Adams best out of that group. That's really interesting. I mean, I the thing I was kind of flashing back to in my mind, I was like, where have we seen a player like this going this early before? And someone that popped into my head was actually Michael Turner. If you go back to sure. the late 2000s, the, the early part of the last decade, heavy, heavy workloads, over 300 carries in three out of four seasons between 2008 and 2011, over 1,300 yards on the ground in three of those seasons, double-digit touchdowns every year, but just never had much of a presence in the passing game. And the wild thing here is that the physical comp for Derrick Henry doesn't really exist. <laughs> <There's> not, <laughs> yeah. We don't see lead backs who get that kind of workload who are that big and that fast. So I don't think that the Turner comparison is perfect in terms of just how they play, but I do think how they have been used over their, over their respective careers, that's really similar. And I remember just not being a, a big Michael Turner guy in the back of the first round for the exact same reason. And he could, I mean, look, Derrick Henry can return value as a mid first round pick. I just don't think he can push his way up into the top five unless he does something very unexpected. We're talking like 22 touchdowns or something, right? It's only going to happen with extra TDs. That's only going to happen with either Ryan Tannehill in the passing game being even more efficient than last year. Seems impossible. Or Mm -hmm. the defense being really opportunistic and 
putting this team in position with a few more short fields, right? I mean, there, there are ways it can happen, but I just think everything kind of went right already for this team, for the way they like to operate last season. But yeah, it's interesting at that end of the round that Devontae Adams is uh, the player that you're most comfortable with. Yeah, and that's something that we could get into uh, in another show. But he is the guy just because of the way that things are played and uh, the, the the presence that he is going to have in Green Bay's offense. Uh, the guy who I find myself gravitating toward if I miss out on those first six guys, the backs plus Michael Thomas. Dalvin Cook is someone who I like quite a bit a lot uh, this season too. Uh, you mentioned Michael Turner, so just uh, as a, a final point before we move on to our next topic, uh, he had that breakout year in 2008, 1,699 yards and seven. 17 touchdowns sounds awfully familiar uh and he was rb2 that year but then his next best year 2010 1371 yards 12 touchdowns in an era that didn't penalize backs that don't catch the ball the way that this era does and he was rb12 right and and then the next year in 2011 he goes out has another big year 1340 yards 11 touchdowns he comes back that season and he's rb7 so I think it's a fair spot where Derrick Henry ends up going this season, but still, just it feels more like a floor play rather than a ceiling play, and I could see more things going wrong than right for him and for the Titans' offense as a whole this season. Uh, a guy who did not get an extension, A.J. Green. That was expected. It was hard to see the, the Bengals investing in a guy who's on the wrong side of 30, who's had the injury concerns that A.J. Green has had in recent seasons. They slapped him with the franchise tag. A.J. Green already on record. He's not going to hold out. He'll be there. He'll sign the tender. He's ready to play for the Bengals this season. Makes sense for a guy who's going to be heading into free agency to show that he's healthy, show he can still be. Maybe not quite top-level A.J. Green that we came to know over the last seven, eight years, but certainly a guy who is still a very good wide receiver. We're not going to talk about A.J. Green directly too much, but let's take a look at this Bengals offense as a whole. We talk all the time in the fantasy world about investing in good offenses, investing in teams led by a good, steady quarterback, and no matter what line of investment you get, as long as you're picking out the good teams, you're probably going to find some useful fantasy players. Last year, The teams that were the top 10 in yards, Dallas, Baltimore, Tampa, San Fran, Atlanta, KC, the Rams, Seattle, New Orleans, the Chargers. A lot of good fantasy players on those teams and a lot of guys who maybe came from seemingly out of nowhere to have big seasons. You had Austin Eckler with the Chargers. You had Chris Godwin in Tampa. You had Raheem Mostert with San Francisco. You are going to find a lot of guys who are targetable in fantasy leagues who end up being on those teams that end up in the top 10 in yards, top 10 in points, basically the same, although you had New England and Minnesota and Tennessee all jump in with a few teams subbing out. So if you can target good offenses, it almost doesn't matter who you end up with. And I wonder if Cincinnati can be one of these under-the-radar teams this year that we should go out and target. Is that a team that has entered your thinking when you do think about the offenses you want to be invested in this season? Yeah, I I mean, I think they're clearly a team on the rise. It's a question of how much can they improve? How quickly can they get there? The offensive line is going to be key. I mean, even with, I thought, pretty reliable usage week to week, Joe Mixon, he he wasn't great last year, but given the circumstances, I think he should come away feeling pretty encouraged by what he was able to accomplish. 4.1 yards per carry behind a, a line that had injury problems that really just wasn't that good overall. Uh, if you think about Mixon as a guy that goes near Derrick Henry, 
TDs should go up with the arrival of Burrow because the offense will be better, even if it's only a little better. I mean, this is a guy who had five rushing TDs, three receiving touchdowns last season. Does he get to 12 this season? I mean, that seems reasonable. Could the efficiency yardage-wise go up? Yeah, I, th- I think so. We saw 4.9 yards per carry in 2018 before the drop to 4.1 a year ago. Uh, so up top, I mean, I see Mixon being kind of justifiable as a first-rounder. I think where it gets really interesting is that you don't have to pay a lot for Green. You don't have to pay a lot for Tyler Boyd. They're outside the top 60 overall. I mean, these are guys that you're going to get at the end of the sixth round of a 12-team league. I like them both, actually. You can't put them both on the same roster, but I think Tyler Boyd can thrive with A.J. Green drawing top coverage because I think A.J. Green is still that player. He's still the guy that opposing teams are going to try and and shadow with their best corner whenever possible. Tyler Boyd's a good player in his own right, so now he's going to have easier matchups with Green back in the equation and a better quarterback to boot with the arrival of Burrow. Uh, this is one of those teams where I was looking in the fishbowl, you know, what, what am I going to do in the late rounds? I want, I want a flyer. You know, what happens if Joe Mixon gets hurt? That is something that I, I'm, I didn't really have a good plan for that. And Gio Bernard is a guy that has really kind of fallen off from being an efficient complimentary piece to someone who I'm just not convinced is necessarily the backup anymore. Uh, we'll see how things play out as the season gets closer, but you know, three of the last four seasons, Bernard's been under four yards per carry. And last season, he played all 16 games, only carried the ball 53 times, caught 30 passes. So he just seems like he's really kind of on the outside in that offense. Uh, but I, I like taking some shots, especially in best ball, on some of the other options. T. Higgins is a good call there. Uh, we'll see what happens with John Ross. I mean, I, I think the talent is apparent, but he just has had such a difficult time staying on the field that I don't think you could necessarily draft John Ross in a traditional league, especially with Green and Boyd there. Uh, but this is a team that I definitely like. I mean, I'm excited to watch the Bengals for the first time <laughs> in five, maybe ten years. Like, I'm actually looking forward to watching Burrow <laughs> at this level. Yeah, it's going to be uh, fun to watch this team for sure. And what I like about them from a targeting standpoint is that you can do it, right? I mean, we, we lo- think New Orleans is going to be a great offense this year, right? But you can't really target them. Uh, or, uh, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, these guys are top five, six picks. Everyone likes Drew Brees. You can't really target the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Everyone wants Tyreek Hill. Everyone wants Travis Kelsey. A lot of people want Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Everyone wants Patrick Mahomes. It's not really a targetable team. With where the Bengals are coming off the board, other than Joe Mixon, you know, no one's going to fight you necessarily for these guys. As you said, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd going at the end of the sixth round of a 12-team draft. you got Joe Burrow checking in at 138.41 on the ADP charts. Gio Bernard, T. Higgins, these are late-round flyers. So if you want to get involved, if you want to get invested in the Bengals' offense, it certainly is doable. We know what Joe Burrow can do for the offense this season. And then let's remember, last year, you mentioned, Derek, the offensive line was a problem. They tried to address that last year with their first-round pick, taking Jonah Williams, the left tackle, and he didn't play a game because of injury. So he is having his rookie year here in 2020 as well. Good reason to believe that this offense takes a step forward. And we're not asking them to be a top-10 offense in the NFL, but there is room for them to take a big step forward and not be a top-10 offense. We're talking about a team that ranked 28th in the league in yards per play last season. They ranked 26th in yards, and they ranked 
30th in points, right? So they could still take a big step forward and be just league average. And you could see the numbers for all of these players go up. So the Cincinnati Bengals, definitely a team that you're going to want to keep in mind as finding a line of investment. Doesn't have to be Joe Mixon, the guy in the top 10, but might be the sort of team where you find lucrative investment opportunities as you get into the middle and late rounds of your drafts this year. That is going to do it for us on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. iTunes listeners, Spotify listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And also, go to theathletic.com slash football in 15 to get yourself a free 30-day trial to The Athletic. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you next week. Have a great weekend.